Thanks for listening to the Get Over Yourself podcast brought to you by Carol Fit Stationary Bike Program 8-Minute Workouts to Get Super Fit. Perfect Keto, the cleanest, highest potency ketone supplements. MOFO, Male Optimization Formula with Organs to Boost Testosterone. Let's get checked at Home Testing Kits. Try LGC.com. Almost Heaven, beautiful compact home use sauna kits. Brad's Macadamia Masterpiece, the mind-blowing nut butter blend. And check out bradkearns.com slash shop my personal selection of favorite products for health, fitness, and peak performance. And here we go with the show. The idea that soreness is leading to fitness breakthroughs or getting bigger muscles is being completely refuted by emerging science and the practices of the world's elite athletes. Yeah, you want to get out there and and be uh, consistent with your exercise activities, but never ever push yourself over the edge. It takes extreme discipline and focus to stay aligned with those long-term high-minded goals and uh, the correct philosophy of, you know, trying to preserve your health while you pursue fitness goals. Lead athlete experience is they spend hours and hours and hours doing training that might be considered boring to the average observer, but they know that this is the stuff that brings the big payoff when the bright lights go on and it's time to shine in a competitive setting. Bum, bum, bum. What's up, mofo? Let's talk about testosterone and a high-potency animal organ supplement developed with my friends at AncestralSupplements.com called Male Optimization Formula with Organs, MOFO. It's designed to boost your natural internal testosterone production and enhance the nutrient density of your diet. We have a huge issue today because our tea levels are getting trashed to the tune of an average 1% decline per year since the 1980s. Due to too much sitting around, too much screen time, not enough sleep, not enough high-intensity exercise, (sighs) right in front of our eyes, we are experiencing a disgraceful, accelerated decline into flabby, floppy Mr. Softies. And it's time to fight back. MoFo contains freeze-dried testicle, prostate, heart, liver, and bone marrow from 100% grass-fed New Zealand cattle, honoring the ancestral tradition of like supports like, where consuming the proteins, peptides, enzymes, cofactors, and molecular biodirectors contained in these organs is believed to nourish the corresponding organs and systems in your body. Protect your prostate, mofo. And beyond the supplement, we present a comprehensive lifestyle program to help you reclaim your manhood and maintain energy, passion, and competitive intensity throughout life. Your mofo mission, you should choose to accept it, is waiting for you at bradkearns.com. Click on mofo to get started. Hey, it's time for a breather show brought to you by the listeners. That's right. We are a community here. I love hearing from all y'all. Any kind of comments. I get some great compliments here. Uh, Some thank yous for success stories of following uh, the recommended approaches of the day from expert guests and from my breather shows. So let's say hello to a few wonderful listeners with some interesting commentary. And please join, join the party. 
email getoveryourselfpodcast at gmail.com with comments, questions, anything you'd like me to cover in a future show. Starting out, Mike Green. He says, hey, Brad, I've been following you and System for eight years. Thank you so much for the excellent work. I had my left hip replaced at 61, and now I'm feeling fully recovered, ready to get back into a regular routine. I'd love to start running again, even though I haven't done it in about 20 years. Okay, so getting a hip replacement and then getting back into running might be fraught with a little bit of uh, danger, so we got to make sure we do it right, huh? And uh, Mike says that he has a pretty heavy weekly travel schedule. And so he's been mostly working out in the hotel, fitness equipment, swimming, things like that. So he's been maintaining his cardio for many years. But now that he's home, the new normal, I want to start running again. How do I safely and smartly begin doing this activity again? I loved your video on proper running technique. Go check that out on YouTube. It's gone viral, baby. It's called Brad Kern's Running Technique Instruction. Uh, my man Brian, my filmmaker, and I hanging out in a random park in Portland, Oregon. And, oh boy, people seem to like this thing. We had a lot of fun filming it. And I think I have some really good tips in there for runners of any level, especially joggers that think form is not important. You will learn a lot and you'll help reduce injury risk. So go check out that YouTube video. And Mike's asking, would the drills that you showed on the video be a good place to start, uh, perhaps at a slower pace than you demonstrate? Thanks for your suggestions. Yeah, I think this is a question of great relevance to many of us uh, getting back into the fitness scene the right way so that we don't blow out uh, joints and connective tissue and have setbacks and a topsy-turvy journey rather than a nice, beautiful, steady progression uh, to continued fitness breakthroughs. And this is so common, even in serious athletes, uh, whether they're uh, distance runners, endurance runners, triathletes, where you'll have a bad uh, three months or a bad a bad year uh, fraught with injuries, illness, breakdown, burnout, and things that set you back from your progress. So uh, proceeding at a safe and comfortable pace, I think, is really important uh, in this context that someone's starting up from scratch, but it could be uh, anything to continue progressing without risk of setback. Uh, I'm particularly interested in the recent breakthrough insights in the fitness scene uh, from people advocating that you don't really want to push yourself too hard in the same refrain of no pain, no gain that we've been ascribing to in the fitness world for so many decades. So finally, that's being tossed aside, and it's such a wonderful breakthrough because doesn't have to entail pain and suffering. And I see so many people in the gyms and on the roads of America and elsewhere seemingly suffering in the name of fitness because they probably think this is the way I have to do it. If I'm going for a run, I have to suffer. And when you look at the example set by the elite athletes of the planet, uh, they are training in many respects much less stressful manner than the average jogger. In other words, the percentage of maximum heart rate or however you want to measure it, the recreational enthusiast is blowing out their their hormones, their uh, 
connective tissue, their daily energy levels, their metabolic function pushing over toward carbohydrate dependency rather than getting good at burning fat because the workouts are too stressful in nature. So some quick tips to digest. One of them is that you don't really want to introduce muscle soreness as a regular recurring element of your training program. If you're going out there and getting sore more than once in a blue moon, you are doing something in a flawed manner that is not helping your progress. So the idea that soreness is leading to fitness breakthroughs or getting bigger muscles is being completely refuted by emerging science and the practices of the world's elite athletes. Listen to my show with Dr. Craig Marker called Hit Versus Hurt, where he talks about the disassembling and deamination of cellular proteins when you try to sprint for too long of a duration, namely over 20 seconds. So when you try to sustain maximum output for longer than 20 seconds, you literally break down the structure of your cellular material to fuel the high demand furnace to power you through your 10th interval interval on the spin bike lasting for 30 seconds with not enough rest in between the maximum output sprints. So if you're sprinting for a maximum of 20 seconds, you want to have a lengthy rest period after that so that you can put out another sprint of excellent high quality without breaking down the structure of your cells. Uh, one of the byproducts of disassembling and deamination is ammonia toxicity. Toxicity. And guess which cells are most sensitive to that? That's right, your brain cells, because those neurons need to fire with clean burning fuel in a nice, healthy metabolic state. And so when you're uh, cooking this ammonia running through your bloodstream in the 24, 36, 48 hour aftermath of a workout that was too stressful, you're getting those afternoon blues and brain fog and all these side effects of a workout protocol that is too stressful. Uh, you can go look on YouTube for a coach, a famed MMA trainer coach uh, out of Toronto named Firas Zahabi. He was on the Joe Rogan podcast and he blew Joe Rogan's fitness primitive mind when he said, look, I don't want my athletes ever getting sore. And Joe's like, what the F you talking about, man? I'm sore after every single workout. I push, 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 right? That's his, that's his uh, methodology there, honoring uh, David Goggins and all the people that are uh, gas pedal on all the way. But we need to think about this in a more uh, nuanced and uh, responsible manner. So when you get sore, when you are breaking down your muscles in that manner, uh, it's for a couple reasons. One of them is an unfamiliar activity. So you have uh, something like water skiing where you're a healthy, fit, strong person. You go out there the first time of the year. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to get sore. But the other one is the eccentric contraction, such as lowering the bar uh, from the top to the bottom or pounding when you're running down the street or especially running down the hills. And so when you have an excess of eccentric contractions, that's also going to make you sore. Basically, it's a sign that you overdid it and the workout was too stressful. And when you are trying to repair your broken down, sore muscles, the damaged muscle tissues, that is where the protein synthesis is going to be directed to in the aftermath of your workout. So rather than building muscle, you're going to be repairing broken down muscle instead. So trying to get bigger through workouts that induce a ton of soreness 
is not logical. It's not effective. I just had a conversation with the inventor of the X3 bar, Dr. John Jaquish. He's on the cutting edge of science and steeped in that uh, biomedical field. And he was explaining the same thing, that muscle soreness is not the way to go because your body's resources have to go to repair rather than growth. I want to tell you about wildhealth.com. They're an online provider of comprehensive precision medicine and health consultation services. They offer DNA analysis, custom lab panels, extensive medical intake form with family history and lifestyle preferences, and regular online visits with a board-certified precision medicine physician and a health coach whom you can message anytime through their convenient app. Wild Health evaluates your data to determine what you need for nutrition, exercise, sleep, and supplements, and you can experiment, consult, and retest to get everything dialed in. You'll get a cutting-edge epigenetic test of DNA methylation to calculate your all-important biological age and have fun lowering your age over time instead of following the mainstream path to accelerated aging. It's time to strive for awesome instead of just normal. Did you realize that only 6.8% of Americans are deemed metabolically healthy and only 2% are declared optimal? That's disgraceful, but you can turn things around quickly. Please visit wildhealth.com and you will see that this is the absolute gold standard of personalized medicine and it's available to you right now. Telemedicine available anywhere in the USA. Wild Health is generously extending BRAD podcast listeners 20% off the cost of membership. Just visit wildhealth.com slash Brad or use the code BRAD20 at checkout to get 20% off and start taking control of your health today at wildhealth.com slash Brad. So he advocates doing a workout with heavy resistance bands using the bar with the bands attached. And then when you're lowering the bar rather than a weighted bar, you are easing the tension on the strap. And so it's not risking muscle soreness as you would when you're lowering a heavy bar from uh, the place where you can put out maximum force, which is at the end of the uh, end of the lift, the highest point. Yeah. That's really, really interesting to me because I've battled repeated muscle soreness when I'm trying to do my heavy lifting uh, with the deadlift bar and stay strong. And it's so important for anti-aging to put your body under resistance load. But we're now seeing that there are alternative approaches that can minimize your risk of muscle soreness and still keep you strong and powerful and explosive. Uh, Dr. Phil Maffetone is another one who's strongly against doing a workout that's overly stressful, that's promoting muscle soreness or post-exercise fatigue. So the concept is if you can kind of stay under the radar and not overactivate that stress response with workouts that last too long and are too difficult, you can continue to progress over time and get stronger, get faster, get more explosive, improve your endurance without those terrible setbacks uh, caused by breakdown, burnout, illness, and injury. Um, there's worse things. I shouldn't say terrible. Terrible's uh, getting sick and going to the hospital. But when you're working so hard in pursuit of improvement and you get an overuse injury, let's say for a runner, and you're out for six weeks, uh, it's such a waste of energy because you experience the detraining effect because you can't do the specific activity. Yeah, you can keep in shape through cross-training, but none of this stuff is necessary if you approach these sports correctly, especially when you're doing something extreme uh, like 
like ultra distance running or long distance running. Uh, the great African marathoner, greatest uh, long distance runner of all time, Yuliad Kipchoge, who just ran that 159, broke two hours for the marathon, running at a superhuman speed of 438, I believe, per mile for 26 consecutive miles. He has published his training data, his training log, uh, in great detail on the internet. And the uh, coaches and scientists have broken it down and analyzed it. And you can find some cool links uh, relating to Kipchoge's training log. But the amazing takeaway for everyone is that this man who has performed at a higher level than any human ever has in endurance running trains in a manner that's well within his capabilities at all times. He's not out there at the track puking after his seventh interval because he wants to get a little faster for the next major marathon and try to break the record. So he's putting in a lot of his miles at something around 80% of his uh, maximum capability, well under his marathon race pace, and feels great and is never really overextending himself to that point where he has to have a down week, a rest week, or an injury week. In fact, the consistency of his weekly mileage was another stunning insight because he's always around 120 to 130 miles a week, even as he leads up to a major competition when it's been so uh, popular historically to have a tapering phase where you're uh, cutting back on your mileage for a couple weeks to allow your body to recover from the overload that occurred before that. But if he's never overloading, if he's just maintaining the greatest cardiovascular engine in the world, wow, what a concept for all of us to honor, to say, yeah, you want to get out there and and be uh, consistent with your exercise activities, but never ever push yourself over the edge. And oh my gosh, I'm so glad to listen to this myself because I have so much fun doing my sprint and high jump workouts that I get out there on the track and I'm pumped up. I feel great. Of course, we feel great when we're in the heat of the moment there, when we're in a group pack running, or we have that uh, exciting opportunity to head to the track. Uh, I'm trying to get there once or twice a week. And so, boy, I want to get something done. I'm super excited and motivated to take on the challenges, uh, but I have a tendency to overdo it where I didn't even realize it until later, until later that afternoon or the next morning or two mornings later where I realized that I pushed myself too hard. Maybe I brought in some soreness or some uh, continued fatigue uh, indicated that if I had just backed off a little bit, I could go out there uh sooner rather than later and do another workout and continue on that build, build, build. So I'm still getting to the meat of Mike's question is how do I introduce uh, running safely after a 20-year layoff? So in your specific example, having a hip replacement and a 20-year break, I'm thinking, I'm envisioning a very, very gradual return to running featuring tons of flexibility, mobility exercises, doing some assessments right out of the gate to see if you have any functional weaknesses that are going to mess you up when you're running. So if you can't hold a deep squat position, let's say for three or four or five minutes comfortably, if you're going to fall over on your butt or, or your front of your shins are going to burn, these are areas of functional weakness that you could work on in the gym or at home, doing lunges, holding certain positions like holding the lunge position, uh, doing some dynamic stretching where you're getting your hamstrings and uh, taking an exaggerated forward step where you kick your hamstring high up into the air. You can see me doing that on the uh, uh, sprint uh, drills video. I have beginner and I have advanced. Uh, So doing stuff like that and minimizing the duration of your 
outings to where you're only jogging for five or 10 minutes, you're doing some more drills and you're heading home and just allowing the muscles, joints and connective tissues to get stronger and stronger before you try and go out there and do something silly like uh, running for an hour after 20 years off with a new hip. That would be my suggestion is kind of more varied workouts where it's not just uh, plodding down the street with bad form, bad mechanics and functional weaknesses and imbalances. How does that sound, Mike? Yeah, so definitely go look at those. Um, I think they're called uh, Brad Kern's uh, Running Drills uh, Intermediate and Brad Kern's Running Drills Advanced, and that'll give you some fun stuff to do uh, in the midst of uh, jogging, walking to recover after the drills, right? So we don't want the workout to be too strenuous. And I'm going to do a whole show on this because I have evolved my daily morning jog uh, with the dogs or jumping out of the chest freezer and rewarming, something I've been doing as a habit routine for 40 years now since high school. Uh, I've transformed that from a steady state cardiovascular workout to something that's more varied. And I think it's been a phenomenal breakthrough. I wrote a couple lengthy articles about it that you'll see on Mark's Daily Apple, but the gist of it is that leaving aside the steady, state, the steady state cardio and the risk factors involved with performing steady state cardio uh, for years and years on end, where you can kind of dip above that maximum aerobic heart rate and cause all kinds of problems for yourself accordingly, uh, which is very easy to do, especially now I'm living up here at altitude. I might have a run that uh, increases elevation uh, in the first couple miles. So uh, getting my heart rate up too high and then getting back home and having a workout that was not purely fast fat burning uh, just due to uh, inattention or uh, lack of discipline where I I kept going instead of slowing down to a walk, uh, that can be really, really counterproductive. And instead, giving myself permission to take walking breaks, do stretches, drills, uh, mobility, flexibility exercises in the midst of this uh, cardiovascular session, a lot more fun, a lot more mentally stimulating and challenging, uh, broader fitness benefits, and then reduced risk factor from the steady state cardio that we all know has become a major, major thing in the endurance scene, that this stuff can cause uh, scarring and inflammation of the heart over time that leads to increased cardiovascular risk factors because you're the guy that's a diehard and goes out there and jogs every day. (sighs) Okay, I'm going to read a a nice um, uh, message from uh, Maciej Kirka. And he sent me some really nice emails and he's having some great success. I think you guys might want to hear from him too. Great success in a short time because he was introduced to keto by a coworker only nine months ago. I was always intrigued because I was not able to lose belly fat, even though I'd been training for hours every week. I wanted to see if this lifestyle would allow me to shed some fat and at the same time, slow me down and let me enjoy my training again. Hey, how about that? Uh, I've read Keto Reset and Primal Endurance. Uh, my diet and training are showing great effects on my physique and on my mental state because this training is less stressful. I lost 20 pounds in two months. For the first time in my life, I could see veins popping out of my biceps. Chicks dig that. All right. But because I switched my running to barefoot too quickly, I broke my right foot. Oh, man. Sorry about that. I know I'm a big advocate for minimalist shoes and showing off my Vibrams in the running technique video. But absolutely, you need to make that transition very gradually. Uh, I sprint in Vibrams all the time, as seen on YouTube. But guess what? I 
have been wearing those puppies since 2006 when they first came out. So it has taken me years and years and years to acclimate uh, sometimes too quickly and then having to back off. But just wearing those for uh, short duration sessions, such as uh, a walk or a hike where you're not really doing a lot of impact trauma, but getting more and more used to a barefoot experience. And guess what? If you go over to bradkearns.com, if you haven't already, and sign up for the newsletter list, you can download a free ebook called Amazing Feats. Greetings, my fitness-minded listeners. I want to acquaint you with the Primal Fitness Expert Certification Program, the most comprehensive home study multimedia fitness education course in the world. If you want to enhance your personal knowledge of all aspects of leading a healthy, active, fit lifestyle, this total immersion course will be life-changing. I'm the lead instructor and author of the course, and we have 14 chapters of extensive written content with over 100 accompanying videos covering topics such as general everyday movement, including micro-workouts and dynamic workstation tips, the full experience of gym-based strength training and all the different modalities, a complete presentation on all aspects of sprinting, both running and low-impact options, an assortment of high-intensity interval training and high-intensity repeat training strategies, a detailed education on the principles and practical application of aerobic endurance training, and extensive commentary, the most you will find in any publication, on all aspects and symptoms of overtraining and burnout. We even have fascinating peripheral topics like integrating nasal diaphragmatic breathing, dynamic stretching, injury prevention, and developing a peak performance mindset. It's really something, this course. We went all out for over two years with a great team to develop this amazing home-based fitness education for you. And you get one-on-one expert email support and private Facebook group connection throughout your studies to ensure that you absorb everything optimally and you pass your series of exams and get certified. So go to primalhealthcoach.com slash Brad to enjoy a very special limited time. And I'm not kidding. This is a big time discount just for you. 25% off your tuition. A fantastic premium offer at primalhealthcoach.com slash Brad for the most comprehensive fitness course you can ever find. How to gracefully and successfully transition to a barefoot dominant lifestyle. So I give you drills, uh, making ankle circles and heel raises and things that can get your calves and your lower extremities stronger and then gracefully transitioning into more and more barefoot time. Okay, so poor guy uh, broke his foot. Uh, then I was uh, laid up, so he spent uh, time listening to a lot of my podcasts and cooking healthy meals, taking cold showers every day, doing breathing exercises. Uh, finally, after a full recovery, I realized my insane drive to pursue unrealistic goals was completely gone. Now I look and feel great. Wow, so he had a little... Uh, uh, life-changing, recalibrating experience uh, prompted by the injury and some downtime to reflect. And isn't that nice to extinguish that sort of unhealthy, uh, imbalanced goal that can cause you to make uh, bad decisions in training? So now, Macy says, uh, I go running whenever I want. And thanks to the math 
uh, heart rate limits, I never feel sore or unhappy. I lift heavy things and every hour I try to do push-ups. Oh, that's great. So he's doing the micro workouts at home too. I have Olympic rings at home. That's pretty badass. Nice, man. I'd love to have some Olympic rings to hang on over the course of the busy workday, huh? Uh, everything's been a very humbling experience. I continue eating mostly fat with some protein and a little carbs. I continue my education, listening to Brad's podcast and watching videos on YouTube. All right, I'm an educator. I'm an official educator in the world. Ah, every single interview leaves something important with me. I'm happier than I used to be. I'm a better man. And finally, a question at the end. How about that? Could you elaborate on how many workouts per week should be, could be glycolytic? I'd like to know if you've noticed any changes in your running cadence uh, or changes in your ego. Uh, my cadence has gone way down, I guess, improving his form. And now that I get past all the time running slowly at 180 minus age pace, it's very challenging uh, as an ex-racer used to going fast. This is messing with my mental state and creating frustration. So there was several questions going in that paragraph. I'll go with the, the latter one first that's on all of our minds because I think all of us have experienced that frustration when we're trying to discipline ourselves to train in an appropriate manner, but it requires reining in that competitive intensity, that easily unbridled competitive intensity that feels really great in the moment, that instant gratification you get when you're on the community bike trail and you blow by some slower riders in your fancy clothes and your fancy bicycle, you get that instant hit of dopamine, the pleasure neurotransmitter that makes you feel a little burst of gratification, but of course, coming at the expense of your long-term progress as an athlete. So when I was a professional, it was a lot easier for me to have the healthy perspective that the decisions I made in training translated directly into uh, the ability to uh, pay the grocery bill and pay the mortgage. So I couldn't really mess around and allow my ego to go unbridled when I had an important race coming up. So when it was my day to do a recovery bike ride on the bicycle trail, I had absolutely no problem getting passed by young families on their <laughs> various types of machinery because I was focused on a very powerful and compelling distant goal. And I know that's not the uh, same experience for someone who's just in doing fitness for recreational purposes and maybe has a great time out there uh, burning off some stored energy, some frustrations from the uh, stressful workday and decides to pass those people to get a little, uh, burn off a little juice there. Uh, so that's fine. But I think we have to uh, focus on our stated goals and live in a manner that's congruent with those stated goals. So if you are a competitor, you have a desire to be the best you can be, um, to get good at fat burning rather than sugar burning, these things uh, should be in prominent focus when you're deciding whether or not to adhere to your planned workout pattern. And that also goes for those days when you're not feeling great, you know it should be a recovery day, but you want to get that endorphin rush, again, that instant gratification of heading out the door and bagging five miles so that you can write something that gives you a sense of self-satisfaction into your training log. And so it takes extreme discipline and focus to stay aligned with those long-term high-minded goals and uh, the correct philosophy of uh, you know, trying to preserve your health while you pursue fitness goals. So if you can keep those big picture goals in mind, I think your ego will be uh, placed in check much more easily than if you kind of are out there drifting and don't have a purpose.
purpose or don't have, let's say, uh, a, a big race goal to pursue in the future. So for everyone, I think the the main goal is to preserve health and, and do things correctly. If you're going to put that much time and energy into your sporting goals and spend that much money on the bike, uh, pedal it correctly, right? Learn how to use proper technique, uh, do the supplementary stuff that maybe not uh, maybe it's not as much fun as going out there and pounding, but when you do those really slow workouts and build your aerobic system without interference from breakdown, burnout, illness, and injury, that is going to contribute to your performance at all higher levels of intensity. So that's the essence of uh, the elite athlete experience is they spend hours and hours and hours doing training that might be considered boring to the average observer, but they know that this is the stuff that brings the big payoff when the bright lights go on and it's time to shine in a competitive setting. All right. Well, that was a great uh, note from uh, Massiege and also the nice comment from a question from Mike Green asking about getting started uh, gradually back into running. (laughs) Gave me uh, a new record for an answer to a single question of uh, 14 or 15 minutes. But boy, what a big, uh, big topic of doing things the right way and proceeding without the risk of uh, breakdown and uh, regression. So there, go another breathe the show. Participate if you like by sending an email to get over yourself podcast at gmail.com. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the show. We would love your feedback at getoveryourselfpodcast at gmail.com. And we would also love if you could leave a rating and a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. I know it's a hassle. You have to go to desktop iTunes, click on the tab that says ratings and reviews, and then click to rate the show anywhere from five to five stars. And it really helps spread the word so more people can find the show and get over themselves, because they need to. Thanks for doing it.